the dynasty think tank i'm chad parsons he is jordan mcnamara we share our research experience and acumen to build dynasty winners and unlock ceiling outcomes now is the time to seek elite results happy festivus everybody it's a holiday for the rest of us and if you're not familiar this is the week uh, we had seinfeld throw this into common nomenclature for us in terms of media and, and what we kind of think in terms of Festivus. I will share a few facts if you're not familiar. Uh, you should go back. Uh, it should be an annual tradition for you with uh, Festivus and that episode of Seinfeld. But did you know it's actually recognized by the state of Florida? It's an actual holiday. And you you can say, well, it is Florida. And that is a true statement. But you figure 50 states, it's going to be uh, legal somewhere. I'm not sure if everyone's off work <laughs> for Festivus, um, but I do know you get to have the you you are required to get the new minimum wage if you work at a bakery. Uh, the other thing is you can actually buy an official Festivus poll. Uh, Wagner of Milwaukee has sold more than 7,000 of official Festivus polls, and so again, if you find tinsel distracting. Uh, if you want something that has a high strength to weight ratio, definitely, definitely explore Wagner of Milwaukee. And you know what? The cold winters up there, I'm not surprised they know how to do Festivus well because it's all about the airing of grievances. And fun fact, not for Jordan, he already knows, but for your, the listener audience, there's three major components to Festivus if you're unfamiliar. First of all, you've done all holiday trappings and it's symbol uh the symbol of it is a metal pole so that means no decorations uh gift giving all of these things no that is not a part of festivus number two the airing of grievances so that's going to be a fixture element for us on an annual basis celebrating festivus of the fantasy and dynasty ilk then third we have the feats of strength something George was never able to accomplish. I wonder how Festivus actually ended in the Costanza household because we heard the recording and adolescent uh, George could not wrestle his father. And it was supposed to be uh, Kruger, actually, but he had to go and it was like, how about George? <laughs> how about George wrestle his father? So we never get to see the feats of strength actually take place in Festivus. So you can transpose that to your own household, your family and friends as you see Fit. So we'll mix in a few quotes here, uh, but we have a lot of problems with you people and you people are dynasty assets, fantasy and NFL teams. So we're going to start off with a team disappointment as well as some of the players apropos here to the 2023 season. Where would you like to start with your airing of the grievances? Got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about it. This is like my favorite show every year. I think this is the fourth year we've done this between it being uh, at Football Guys and now here. Um, and I just texted you this week, and I said, it's Festivus. Oh, um, I do have to say one more yeah. thing on how Festivus began for George, uh, for Frank Costanza. I went to buy a doll for my son. Unpack that statement. I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. That's true. That's where Festivus was born. That is where it's true. Yes, that is true. Um, all right. My team grievance, the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. No. You spend the a fourth overall pick in 2021 on Kyle Pitts. You pass on Jamar Chase. 
Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, if you were interested in going pass catchers. You pass on Justin Fields and Mac Jones if you're interested in an upgraded quarterback. You pass on Micah Parsons. 2022, with the eighth overall pick, you take Drake London. You pass on Alave and Wilson, which I would have done. No problem there. Pass on Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, also uh, soon picked thereafter. Don't think it was necessarily a bad pick. Uh, you spend the eighth overall pick on Bijan Robinson in the 2023 NFL draft. Make all these moves, all these uh, trades, free agent moves to shore up all your strengths. And then predictably, uh, you cash in huge bets made by yours truly uh, that Bijan Robinson would be the eighth pick, that Atlanta would make a uh, uh, the selection of a running back, and it would be Bijan Robinson. All those bets cash. Awesome. What you do with this Ferrari is you choose to feed it beefaroni, uh, as as uh, Kramer does in Seinfeld, uh, and and you just watch it fart all over the place all season, right? Instead of uh, getting a quarterback, you have Desmond Ritter, right? You're the first team to put out a statement uh, when Lamar Jackson uh, is is issued the non-exclusive tag. You're the first team to put out a statement that says you're not pursuing Lamar Jackson. Last year, you go tw- you go 13% pass rate under expectation. This year, it's 10%. And you would think, given all of those facts, right, all of those facts, that you're going to be a run-first team investing in the eighth overall pick. Not so fast. Bijan Robinson ranks 19th in carries with 176. He's at 14 points per game, which ranks uh, as running back 18 in points per game. Drake London, uh, elite metrics as a as a rookie. He comes back this year in this just abomination of a passing offense. 11.4 points per game. That ranks 42nd. His 85 targets on the season rank 32nd. And you would think Kyle Pitts, hey, listen, low passing volume, but he can really cash in as an opportunity guy in an offense that's highly concentrated between a wide receiver and a tight end. Not so fast. 76 targets, ranks ninth at the position. Points per game, 8.4, 17th at the position. Playing between 60 and 70% of snaps in a given week, running 60, 70% of routes in given weeks. Just an absolute abomination in terms of how this is put together uh and and uh, the results that are that come from it uh and frankly it's one of their own making no investment at quarterback uh investment in all the weapons their quarterback fails and with all the other backup quarterbacks around the league that are being successful your joe flacco's your hell case keenum your nick mullins all these other quarterbacks that have been jake browning all these quarterbacks that have been successful you sat there and you went in with Desmond Ritter and you went in with Tyler Heineke uh, and failed to do anything uh, to capitalize on all of this fantasy production. And even despite all of that, you could have just given the ball to Bijan Robinson, but instead you decide to um, also give Tyler Algier a top 30 allotment of carries um, and just make this entire offense an absolute us show. So I got a lot of problems with you people in Atlanta that starts with Arthur Smith uh, and it goes all the way down in terms of all of the decisions that they've made uh, to make this a complete, what should be like greatest show on turf level offensive talent. They've turned it into an absolute like mud puddle and it's just nauseating. So I got a lot of problems with you people in Atlanta uh, and I wanted to start with teams because if I didn't start with teams, I was just going to name all of the players and, t- and tell <laughs> Atlanta was going to be at every position <laughs> with the problems. Um, I actually also had the Atlanta Falcons. The fact yes, that we're all, hit that it hard. Draft, <laughs> all that draft capital that they could have spent 
to get a quarterback, all the draft, like, here's the thing. They were high in those drafts to actually spend that plus future, future capital to move up and get a quarterback or to get Lamar Jackson. And now basically you said they built a Ferrari. Well, here's the thing. They built a Ferrari and they forgot that they need a steering wheel. They forgot they need a driver. They forgot that it runs on gas. Like it's the whole, like, oh, we just bought this really expensive house, but we have no furniture. We have no food. We can't put the heat on. Like you can't actually do any of the things that makes a house a home. We basically bought the structure. Outstanding work, Falcons. And here's the other thing. I thought this was going to be like a mixed bag. I found here's all the categories that from last year to this year, they got worse. So they are 22nd in yards per play. That's down from 16th. They're 20th in net yards per attempt passing. They were 18th. 25th in scoring rate on drives. They were 10th last year. 27th in points per drive. They were 14th a year ago. 21st in turnovers per drive. They were 17th. 22nd in expected points passing. They were 18th. And finally, here's the death knell. You draft a running back that high, 27th in expected points rushing. They were sixth a year ago. So they've managed and bobbled their way to getting worse by adding to, again, the Ferrari, getting the new paint job. When you need the driver, they have a wide receiver. They have a wide receiver tight end hybrid player. They have a running back. And now they have spent all that capital. And now they don't suck enough to be in the optimal range to get the quarterback again this year. So what's the plan for the future other than saying, Arthur Smith, get out. Get out is what we need. And they need a structural change. This is like with the Chargers. This is like with Carolina. They just need change. Go to something else. And Atlanta, the problem is the sunk cost. All these are on rookie investments. What happens in 24 months when these contracts start coming due? When Kyle Pitts goes, knock, knock, where's my money? And this is not like Jimmy Graham. You need to pay me like wide receiver plus tight end. I want everything because guess what? It's not my fault. I'm not getting the freaking ball. That's the quarterback's fault. Not my problem. What happens when Drake London says, knock, knock, where's my money? What happens when after two more seasons, Bijan Robinson is like, time's up. I'm a rock star and you're not feeding me like one. Where's my money? Are you going to have a money for a quarterback then? Are you then going to go into the $50 million marketplace with a trade plus a contract for a veteran that can actually fix something? I, again, you have made your grave and it looks like you're lying in it. I don't know how you get out, but it starts with the coach. It starts by changing the DNA and Hey, Baker Mayfield was cheap. You chose to do nothing. And I'm a Taylor Heineke fan, and you did nothing. And Desmond Ritter, good luck with that experiment. I thought Sam Howell would go better. Sam Howell did go better. And now you're on the wrong side, and you've got to basically do whatever your 2023 plan should have been in 2024. All right, quarterback. Well, let me give a shout out. So we did also tweet this out over at the Dynasty Think Tank um, account, and we do have some answers. So um, oh, we'll uh, we'll add here. Jake says Arthur Smith. Um, another uh, Arthur Smith answer. Jeff also says Arthur Smith. So we got three uh, Arthur Smith answers in this. We also got a, a just a generalized grievance from uh, Timmy Hernandez, who you'll remember uh, Arizona State great Timmy Hernandez. 
says the refs in the Seattle game um, it cost him the game, specifically with Jalen Hurts uh, and the points there. So that's just a generalized grievance. We'll throw the referees in there as a team that we can grieve, which would have been a close second um, had it not been for Arthur Smith's shenanigans. Also, right. I tell you, this human fund is a gold mine. Oh, I love this episode. It's so great. All right, quarterbacks. <clears throat> We're going to stay in the NFC South here for a minute. You have Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Rashid Shahid, Jawan Johnson, Alvin Kamara, J- Jamal Williams, Kendry Miller, Taysom Hill, Foster Moreau. And somehow you find a way to rank 16th in passing yards in the NFL. That is you, Derek Carr, in your disappointing season. You came over as a big free agent acquisition, the uh, pride of the free agent class this past year, and you have managed to turn that. I'm not going to say it's a Ferrari, but we'll say it's a nice car. It's a really nice car, and you put sugar in the gasoline tank uh, and rank 32nd in points per game behind luminaries such as the aforementioned Desmond Ritter, Tommy DeVito, Gardner Minshew, Will Levis, uh, Easton Stick, Jake Browning, uh, Josh Dobbs. Should I go on? Yes. Very disappointing in terms of all of that overall performance. Um, he's let us down in the development of Alave, of Shahid, um, of the tight ends. Juwan Johnson was very valuable last year down the stretch in, in, in premium formats. Um, just a complete disappointment as well as having him rostered in some spots. Just a, just an utter letdown uh, in what should be a very good offense. Oh, I also had Derek Carr. Wow, look at that. Um, we I didn't will, even talk I, about I this. We didn't talk about we this didn't at talk all. About this. I, I had Derek Carr. Be, for, and here's the other thing. Michael Thomas healthy for longer than we would have expected, right? Yes. I mean, that has found money. And a loaded, like you said, a loaded offense. Chris Olave, huge success track type player that we talked about on the uh, on the After Hours show this week. And you derail a year or two breakout for Chris Olave. And again, they add to the skill positions. Rashid Shahid found money uh, and all this. It doesn't matter. Derek Carr, the upside killer. You look at his career arc. He had one season, his MVP season, uh, MVP-ish adjacent season, that he grazed into the top 12. And other than that, career QB2. And I think he's going to be instructive. He's going to play, be a player we can call back to of saying in the first few years of their career, if you don't see ceiling, good luck. Good luck trying to project that for a quarterback. He's not a mobile guy. So how does the formula work? Well, you've got to be a decisive and diabolically great passer. He is not that. And what that means is you're probably destined to be a QB too. And that's what he's been. So he had one magic year. I did look back. Uh, I remember I did a deep dive on Derek Carr in that one year. It was like Amari Cooper in his prime, a couple other things. Life was good. And all of a sudden, when life is not like that, you're going to go right back to QB2 land. And now, frankly, this should have rivaled his best, if not the best surrounding class, uh, support of weapons. And he managed to mess that all up. Part of that is, A, one thing we don't we don't account for with these quarterbacks, especially if you're not a guy that can gravitationally pull everybody to a new ceiling around you because guess what those quarterbacks aren't available <laughs> unless you play contracts like Kirk Cousins you're not just going to be you're in, you're usually traded for a box of stamps when they think that you're done Russell Wilson style Derek Carr style oh these teams got these quarterbacks to solve problems no the other team gave up on you 
And Derek Carr is not going to lift the lid for anybody. And I think that's instructive that there's very rare cases where quarterbacks are changing teams and teams are giving up on them for the, the unknown abyss of what could be at other quarterbacks and just saying, anybody, not you. Our plans are not you. And Derek Carr, that's what the Raiders said, not you. And and we thought, Saints, all-star team, Derek Carr, they got their guy. Life is good. I think fantasy-wise, this would have been much better with Jameis Winston. Maybe more interceptions, maybe one extra loss. But you know what? Fantasy-wise, he would have lifted the lid on this whole thing. I have high confidence. And we didn't get that. Carr couldn't even get hurt right. He was half. He was he was a tweener for like five games. Oh, I'm coming back. I'm playing. Shoulder's not that bad. You look like Derek Carr. I mean, you look like a, a, a Drew Brees out there when it's like, ooh, you're on a timetable. Tick-tock. When are you going to retire? Uh, again, I think we... we learned a great lesson from Derek Carr from both the NFL side of how he got to the Saints. B, changing teams is not super easy, especially when you have the confines of the same team for years on end. And number three, when a quarterback tells you there's not a big ceiling, listen to them. <laughs> listen to them when they've been in the NFL for a decade, for God's sakes, thinking they're going to turn over. We kept harkening back to got a season seven years ago that he can get back to that if the weapons are just good enough. The NFL gave up on you because they don't see the ceiling. So oh, I'm tired now. I feel like we didn't even cover we didn't even cover the Saints and Derek Carr enough. But I got a lot of problems with Derek Carr because you know what? You get to your lineups and even the times you started them, you didn't feel great about it. And like you said, we had a bunch of guys coming off the bench that we instantly felt better about them, including Joe Flacco. So very, very ominous there for Derek Carr and any future ceiling thoughts. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Got some shout outs here from the Twitter account as well. Uh, Casey with Trevor Lawrence, Drew Deshaun Watson, Nick also Deshaun Watson. So that could have been another uh, mention there. Uh, but both of us go Derek Carr. All right, my running back. Uh, we got some candidates for this one. I, I haven't, um, I don't have any problems with people with injuries. So we're just going to sort of set that aside for a second. Um, Brees Hall, uh, consensus top five guy in Dynasty. He's running back 21 in, in per game scoring with 13.6 points per game. Uh, he has a rushing uh, over expectation percentage on his carries of 31.1%. Now, to give you some context, there's 47 qualifiers at the running back position. He ranks 45th. So uh, notable luminaries behind him include Josh Kelly uh, is, is the type of company that he is keeping uh, at the position. Uh, so if you're thinking about who sort of grades similar to Brees Hall in that stat, it is uh, it is Miles Sanders, uh, the biggest letdown in free agency, uh, and Josh Kelly. Now, the fortunate part about Brees Hall is that he actually has a rushing yardage over expectation per attempt of 0.55 yards, which actually ranks in the top 10 of the position, which means he's an incredibly boom bust running back. And that has uh, left him without the type of role that you want, which is a high volume uh, role. They've looked other ways because as they've said correctly, he has not had the ability to sort of keep them up and ahead of the chains and is very, you know, he's either going for, you know, one yard or 10, right? He's not getting the three, four five yards. And I think that's hurting him in volume. Um, I realize that some of this is due to the overall nature of this offense, but even despite in uh, an offense that is with Zach Wilson and should be able to move the ball on the ground, um, you know, with, with that's where 
to the extent they have a strength in their offensive line, it is run blocking. Uh, Brees Hall has done absolutely nothing uh, to to move the needle this year. He's playing, you know, as a as a basically an injury away guy uh, at thirteen point six points per game. So big time disappointment there for him. I'll add one thing on Brees Hall. No, we don't have a duplication. I got somebody else. But uh, talk about Aaron Rodgers versus what else ha- has happened at quarterback as part of this. But the average, uh, the average NFL team this year for running back goal line carries for the team is 14. So keep that number in mind. The average NFL team is 14. The Jets are dead last in goal line opportunities for running backs with two. No other team has fewer than six. So you're basically drawing dead when you're saying some of these point blank, relatively Askrahi Mostert, relatively easy scoring opportunities where you can just kind of fall in. You're going to get some decent blocking on some of them. Just collect some touchdowns if you're the lead back. Basically zero for Brees Hall. He's had to score from distance if he scores at all. And again, I just think of, Aaron Rodgers, not really going to be a guy that's uh, QB sneaking from the one or two yard line like some offenses do. So it would have been very running back centric, you know, at that point uh, of the field. So I wonder, you know, how much that's going to change uh, next year. Fingers crossed that the bionic 40 year old uh, is is there because last year uh, the Jets were I'm trying to look where they were in previous years. Uh, They were uh, third. Yeah, they were third, no, 20th, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, they were 20th in goal line last year. So 20th to 32 DFL and not even close to 31. So again, goal line pays the bills uh, and and uh, targets as well. But goal line, they're basically a nothing burger for, the, for Brees Hall there. I am going to go and I'm going to mash two guys together that, again, learning life lessons in Dynasty from here with running back. It's AJ Dillon. It's Alexander Madison. If you've listened to me much at all, you know, intrinsically, I love both of those guys, but I learned a valuable lesson, which is number one, that, well, let's get into why. <laughs> so both of them were largely healthy this year. Alexander Madison running back 37 in points per game, despite being the clear starter all season until this past week. And here's the thing that would really uh, get you in, in the wrong spots. High Chandler scored five more points in week 15 as a clarified start more than any other Alexander Madison start this season. So Alexander Madison got Alexander Madison by Ty Chandler. <laughs> How great is that? Can't make it up. AJ Dillon, 12 points is his game high. He had a handful of starts with, uh, with no, uh, no Aaron Jones. He had one touchdown on the season and this is eight games with 15 plus touches. If you had said these things, hey, AJ, uh, Aaron Jones is going to miss some games. Uh, you know, he's going to have eight games with 15 plus touches. What do you think is going on? I'll get some goal line opportunities. What if I told you Jordan Love was going to be sneaky decent? Like, I told you all of these things. And then I tell you that AJ Dillon's going to be an abject disaster fantasy wise. Zero ceiling and zero hope. You would get to the point where at times you're not even going to consider starting him with no Aaron Jones active. That is mind blowing stuff if we go back to the past few seasons and in the offseason. So we have two guys, and I think the lesson here is, number one, both of them, we valued them very highly when they were NFL backups. And 
that that's a bucket of players. A bucket of players are NFL backups. Right now, Trey Sermon is an NFL backup. Right now, Chase Brown is an NFL backup. Uh, there's, you know, essentially, there's 30 plus guys that you're interested in. Now, some guys are worth basically a first round pick. Some guys are worth a fourth round pick or even on your waiver wire. There's a wide range. And so vice gripping, assuming they're going to be great as a starter, assuming they're going to be high upside when they get an opportunity and assuming they're so good, they're going to change the landscape of your season that you can't possibly include them in trades. You have to vice grip them, hold them forever, never arbitrage that by trading them for another backup in a future second or something. All that for, again, two players that I question what their burst is. They are humdrum players when you look at their burst explosion. Look at players, especially, you know, like Chase Brown. Look at players like James Cook. You see burst in the first two, three steps that is overt for the position. And when you don't have that, every every carry is going to be a battle. It's going to be you need to break three tackles. Your odds of having a long touchdown or a big play are minimal. Your start stop, not overly impressive. You are a dinosaur in NFL terms, and we're not in the dinosaur era. So A.J. Dillon, Alexander Madison, they're definitely going to sculpt how I look at prospects. I'm going to start measuring their burst. I'm going to start doing a lot of different things in this offseason for prospects, but also evaluating NFL running backs through that lens. So I think the price is very key. And I also think you just can't get too tied in to certain backup running backs. You want backup running backs. And hey, if you can be picky, sure, more expensive or higher upside ones are nice, but they all need help to emerge. And frankly, I don't think we're quite as good at saying, well, this guy can't be good if he's the starter. And this guy will be good if he's the starter and the uh, the current lead guy is out. So I think all that is very instructive. So I got a lot of problems with AJ Dillon, Alexander Madison this year, but ultimately I thank you because it could prove to be very beneficial in the long term. Yep. Agree with all that. Um, uh, so some shout outs on the Twitter account. Uh, Jeff said Alexander Madison. Abe said Austin Eckler. I can't include Austin Eckler on this list ever because of how great he's been over the past two years. So he has earned my forgiveness. All, right? all he's, pass. Yeah, he's he's whatever, whatever happens from here on out. He's already paid off uh, anything that he owes us, which is nothing. He's more than paid for it. So. Um, Eckler can't qualify for me here. Right, wide receiver. Um, you know, it's funny, you and I were having this conversation about being a bit player agnostic and just kind of looking at profiles and chopping profiles. Did a lot of that this offseason, so wasn't in on a bunch of guys. Not gonna, not gonna, I wasn't a George Pickens guy, so he can't be someone that I was disappointed in. He did not let me down. He uh, met he your actually, expectation. He actually reaffirmed all of my statistical research on him, he reaffirmed it. So um, uh, Marquise Brown, uh, last year, 28th in scoring, uh, 13 points per game, right in the window of innings eater, uh, sturdy profile, a guy that you can throw in your lineup as a wide receiver, two or three option, uh, each week, just set it, forget it, be pretty comfortable with the end results on the season this year in an offense that frankly, he should have dominated target share. He should have dominated opportunity. Uh, he has turned that into 9.6 points per game, which ranks 50th in terms of per game scoring. 
Uh, his targets per open route run is absolutely plummeted down to 16.6%. Uh, he's become much more of a contested catch guy as opposed to a separation guy. Still only 26 years old, potential rebound candidate uh, in the offseason, but a guy that had him in some spots and definitely had to make moves because what I thought was a very reliable player had just kind of completely uh you know, plummeted out of the even double digit range of scoring per game. So pretty disappointing there for him uh, at the wide receiver position. Yeah. Potential bounce back guy, you know, depending on how dirt cheap he's going um, as a profile buy on the rebound. But yeah, like you were saying, the, the high floor outcome with some ceiling moments and especially with Kyler Murray back, you know, we didn't know in the summer, was he going to play this year? You know, and how would Arizona treat that? The number of starts you've gotten from Kyler Murray, has also been something where you figure uh, Marquise Brown would have benefited and he has not. Uh, I'm going to go with Quentin Johnston. We hmm. set the scene where uh, if you if you had said Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, both are going to miss a chunk of the season, that uh, you never would have figured, A, the Chargers would have underwhelmed offensively as much as they did this year. Uh, it seems like they were spiraling. They actually might have scored negative points in one of these weeks, uh, the way things were trendlining. Um, but Quentin Johnston being thrust into that opportunity, a lot of the talk was 2024 breakout player. He's going to have to wait his time uh, behind, you know, Josh Palmer had progressed. Not that he was going to be ever great, but he progressed to good enough. And you still had Keenan Allen dominating. You had Mike Williams getting that big contract, as well as uh, being someone that early in the season did produce uh, when he was healthy. But all those factors, here's the jarring part. Quentin Johnston, considering the playing time he's received, one game with more than 52 yards. His yards per route run on the season, 0.96. And here's the thing. No splash games of more than two yards per route run. So that's sort of an elite figure that if you do it for the season. But can you just do it for a game or two? Kind of show us that you belong, flash, show out. He's had three of 14 games to hit even the 1.5 yards per route run baseline of, okay, you're out there, you're doing NFL baseline sort of work, you belong. That's not saying you're spectacular, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're fantasy relevant, but it means that you're doing requisite work. Three of 14 games for a round one guy that's tall, that could do some after-the-catch things, and just watching the optics of this, he's wide receiver 80, and it looks like he's lost. He's had two or three literal moments out of all these snaps, all these routes, all these targets. He's made as many bad plays as good plays with drops and just being all over the place and lost. And Justin Herbert, I watched some games specifically with this in mind. He doesn't even look to that side of the field. So either he's a decoy or Justin Herbert himself is like, well, I know where I'm going and it's not there. So there's a lot of bad optics going into 2024. He should be cheaper. But when you say it was right on the racket here for him to have enough splash moments down the season with Justin Herbert, without Mike Williams, without Josh Palmer. And we were literally talking about everyone else. Ooh, Jalen Guyton's going to be a streamer. Oh, I mean, Alex Erickson, for God's sakes, was getting some streamer love. Why? Because everyone was so off of Quentin Johnston. And again, someone that I liked as a prospect and airing of grievances, I don't think because sometimes not playing those guys being healthy and him just sitting there as a wide receiver four, barely playing. That's better than doing what he's doing now. 
And there's very few cases of coming all the way back from this and turning into a strong fantasy and dynasty asset at wide receiver from this point of time. Yes, uh, with you there as well. Um, in terms of our guys that were mentioned here, um, shout outs to, uh, to Joel, who gave us Calvin Ridley, Diego, who said Jahan Dotson, and Drew, shout out a player close to our heart, Christian Watson. Again, I'm not dinging players for injuries, but certainly that one uh, does hurt as well um, with that. Uh, tight end, I can think of no one that has let me down more than Pat Frymuth. Uh, nine games, 39 targets. Listen, it's not all his fault uh, in terms of this. Um, but when you look break at out things, of George Pickens <laughs> and the breakout of George Pickens really click, uh, crowded him out. Now, when you look at his numbers, right, the lowest PFF grade of his career by far, uh, you look at his yards per route run down to 1.13 yards per route run by far the lowest of his career. Um, it, we did, interestingly, get some of that slot usage. He played 44% of his routes in the slot, which was something that we were hoping for, you know, thinking that maybe he could be 60, 70%. We did see that uptick, uh, but it has not paid off. Again, he's been hurt and out of the lineup. Um, that has happened, but has not been the breakout candidate in an, in a year where a lot of tight ends went from being blah to being, wow, that's pretty darn interesting. And the position became um, a lot younger, a lot stronger in the um, outside of the uh, Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey range of the position. Fryermuth, not one of those guys. So Certainly a disappointment there. If you told me, hey, we're going to get you know three, four, five, six guys that might look very, very different next year at the top of the tight end position, Fryermuth would have led the list for us in terms of that guys being you know under twenty six years old to be on that list uh, was not that guy this year. A, a big disappointment. So we will look hopefully and get a rebound candidacy here, maybe with an upgraded quarterback next year, but uh, has let us down uh, and really struggled to perform this year. Yeah, uh, that's a real tough one. I mean, he's still 1.4 yards per route run for his career. So, I mean, the book is not written. He's very young. Uh, and the Steelers, not exactly a throw around the yard offense this year. Uh, Kenny Pickett, talk about lacking uh, lacking progression towards going someplace meaningful of being a point guard for a strong fantasy passing game and things like that. So part of me thinks they just have too much talent uh, around him. And he's just not going to facilitate enough production, just point blank. I don't know what the fix is. Uh, quarterback for the NFL is tough to fix. If it was easy to fix, every team would do it. <laughs> but I think Pickett is good enough that's going to suck him in for longer than they should be in on this. Uh, and it's going to temper down guys like Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth. Um, my, my play is basically this has been bubbling up for quite some time. I mean, this is using the aluminum pole and doing some damage. I mean, this is going through. Uh, this has been bubbling for at least five years in my my tight end airing of grievances. Noah Fant, he's tied in 35. He's out there on like some waiver wires in stock formats. Like that's, it, it's pretty hilarious that we're, we've gone to this point. Seattle is playing a huge committee. When you look at their their route percentages and how they break this down, they apparently love everybody. Uh, they got Noah Fant as a part of that deal for uh, Russell Wilson uh, that was coming over, but they've had almost no idea on, do we like Noah Fant? We got him sort of just as a reclamation first round guy. I want for Noah Fant 
what Evan Ingram had, which is an opportunity to go out there and find whatever opportunity he wants in a one-year prove-it deal, and I want him to go prove it. Because round one tight ends, especially guys that aren't blocking-centric guys, if we want to go back 15, 20 years of classes, there's guys that you know never really amounted to all that much. But when you have guys that are actually athletic, I mean, David Njoku's of the world, we're seeing that, you know, kind of crest to a new high with where he sits now in recent weeks. And uh, Noah Fant is right on that level. And he has zero games of 10 plus points this year. That's hard to do. You, there has to be an overt goal setting of we're not going to unleash Noah Fant over the middle with deep overs and seam routes and all this kind of stuff. He has zero touchdowns. He has two games of more than 45 yards this year. He's a punchline, and I just want people not to forget that he's a 1.5 yards per route run guy for his career. He's better than this. And even if it turns out like a baby lesser version of Evan Ingram, don't give up on Noah Fant and a future opportunity. He's been on two teams. He's flashed enough in Denver to know that it's in there. And tight ends get a long leash especially with strong pedigree and strong athlete guys to get way more chances over the years to actually peak out. And I think it's in front of them Round one tight ends. It's one of the rare profiles where you say, just keep buying in the price is dropping, keep buying in until they're out of the league. And until Noah fan has probably one to two more teams, I'm still going to be in on this. I know he's rostered in, in tight end premiums and stuff, but he's poised in January, February startups to be a huge value in that type of format as your number three guy, maybe number four guy. I don't know how cheap he'll go, but even in your stock formats, if you don't have a tight end plan, he's the type of stash guy you go into the off season and he may be your week one fix. So again, he didn't, I didn't think necessarily this was going to be a breakout season, but this has been building for basically his whole career of free Noah fans. Yeah, agree with that. I think he's going to be a, a very uh, high, high ownership rate for us in early startup drafts this off season. So um, I, I agree with that. Uh, Pitts was a big name in terms of mentions as well from the, uh, from the chat. So that's, that's the people that have let us down. That's the people that, um, uh, you know, we've aired our grievances. We're going to send a strongly worded letter to the Atlanta front office. And remember, until you pin me, George, Festivus is not over. So that's why Festivus 365 lives on in our hearts is because George has never pinned his father. Like Santa coming down the chimney. That's when you know it's time and it's still not time. Uh, what can people find on the premium side of Dynasty Think Tank this week, which is over at patreon.com slash Dynasty Think Tank? Yeah, did a bigger uh, bigger after-hours show this week talking about you know just some playoff stuff, some strategy stuff, bigger picture Dynasty stuff in there. Uh, and then we've got uh, in our deeper dive this week, we have a trade that we want to discuss and go kind of deep dive uh, on a specific trade and and kind of the thought processes on it. And, and we're going to talk about that from a... You know, from our personal perspective there in terms of uh, some moves that we've actually made. So I'm um, excited to do that. And, uh, you know, as we're kind of trending towards the offseason, it's interesting, like we're going to shift context here and that can be a dangerous time of year. Uh, but we'll have you we'll have you covered with all of that here as we, uh, you know, finish out the season and then head towards the offseason. 
yeah, make sure you check it out this week because uh, it's a critical week and we kind of talk about the the historics and some of your mindset stuff where it's really important to learn lessons while it's going on. And we talk a lot about round one, round two of your, your dynasty playoff uh, matchups and kind of how most leagues are constructed for the, the postseason and learning those lessons. And we kind of talk through putting that towards your vision in the off season, your vision towards team building. And then fast forwarding, obviously, I mean, we're going to get Alzheimer's, you know, and it's important to learn the lesson, re-listen a couple different times, uh, take some notes and go into the off season with this approach because in 350 something days, you're going to be in the same situation. And if you didn't learn anything from this year or, or previous years, you're going to repeat the same mistakes. You're going to be in the same situation. And you're not going to make graphic positive change to your dynasty portfolio, which we're all trying to, again, teach you to fish so you can go out there and execute in your own dynasty leagues. Thanks so much for listening to Dynasty Think Tank. You can follow us on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL and at McNamara Dynasty. We have our own Dynasty content streams. You can find those at, at analyticsofdynasty.com and at uthdynasty.com. Unlock your ceiling, seek elite results, and as always, happy Festivus. Thank you.